having girl problems. I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't. It's a bike count to show. It's 1025 The Bone. Uh, in studio with us is John Heffron. He will be at Vasani Comedy Theater in Port Charlotte. He's got uh, shows Friday and Saturday night. Uh, please go get Craig Gass. Bring him in the uh, in the studio as well. Sorry, John. That was my fault. I hit the button. No problem. Uh, John is uh, living. I just saw his his house that we talked about. I really thought you were going to show me a dump. Like I really thought you were going to show me a real fixer upper. But you got a modern kitchen and wood floors and the whole deal. And it's nice. Yeah, you're in good shape. It's nice. Uh, you know Craig, Craig Gash. You know John Heffron. How are you, man? How are you while. doing? Uh, Craig Gass is dying. He's been leaving messages to all of people. <laughs> I saw you address that the other day on Facebook. Uh, yeah, because uh, I've been getting texts. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I came in, um, Mike has act- asked me a couple of just bombshell questions over the years. Right. Where um, I came in once a few years ago. My family's deaf. Like, my mom, dad, and sister are deaf. And I'm uh, still not sure of that. And, uh, and I came in, and he's the only guy to go, uh, I got a question I've always wanted to ask you. I go, yeah, yeah, what's that? And I thought he was going to say, you know, what was Eddie Van Halen like? You know, mm. like, I lived at Eddie Van Halen's house. Or what was Mitch Hedberg like? Because I used to live with Mitch. And he goes, is your family really deaf? Like, I was like, what? wow, that, that totally threw me for <laughs> Let's call for them. I want to hear the man to the phone. Uh, who am I? Yeah, you're very <laughs> Probably why. Uh, the reason why is he does these impressions that are just unbelievable. And I have to tell you, there's not... Like, after watching Rich Little and and uh, who was it, Fred Travelina and yep. all that stuff, I've seen people do voices and stuff since I was a kid. And then you get guys that are at the next level where you'd... Like, if you called me, if, you, if I was Al Pacino and you called me and you were like, it's me. I'm calling you from next year. I'd be like, he's like, we finally figured out time travel. I would believe it. You know what I mean? Because that's how good you do it. It always impresses me that guys who can do it, because I, I can do none. None. Like, I have, n- like, no skill. Right. I'm like, everyone, you can, I can talk like a solver. <laughs> but, like, that's the only thing people can do. And then when I hear you, because I used to know Gene Simmons pretty well. Yeah. I would be at his house and Get stuff like that. And, his, uh, and then you do him, and I'm like, I literally would not tell the difference if you called me. So last night I watched a movie called Extract with Jason Bateman. Uh-huh. At just a couple of minutes on HBO, and Gene Simmons is in that movie. Mm-hmm, really? And I'm like, this guy doesn't do Gene Simmons as good as Craig Gass. <laughs> I mean, it's literally, you, he talks like your impression all the time. You know what's funny is doing the impression, the guy who taught me how to do the impression years ago, um, he actually works for Aerosmith, uh-huh. and he told me, 20 years ago, he said, if you want to do a Gene Simmons impression, watch Benjamin Netanyahu. It's the same voice. <laughs> Hi, this is Benjamin Netanyahu from Kiss. <laughs> but I wonder if John, um, what he was like when you're in his house. Like, was So we thing? went to his house. Because I've been to the house. And, and, and it's the it, biggest house I've ever been in. Is this and the I, house from the TV show? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So I know famous people, but this is the biggest. And he has an office that's triple the size of this studio. Okay. And he has every item. From Kiss. That was from Kiss. We might even did the Gene Simmons roast together. Yeah, yeah. Like a hundred years ago. Yeah, and um, uh, on his show. But so he's got a, an office full of every kiss item that ever existed. Literally every it, piece of merchandise. It is just in his office. And he walks in, and this is like pre taping. And his daughter, I, I uh, was playing Sophie. piano, yep. Sophie. Yep. And I walk by, and he's like, Sophie, say hello to Mr. Heffron. And then she stopped playing, and she was super, like, his kids are crazy nice. Yeah. And super, crazy, yep. like, well, like, well raised. Yep. I, that's a horrible name. So we go into his office, and I'm looking. I'm like, I had that notebook in high school. He, he had the gum, the gum that looked like an album. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was, yeah. like stuff I hadn't seen. There's kiss everything, but I'm like, this is pretty cool. And he gets a kiss bag and he hands it to me. And then he goes, a gift bag. He goes, take whatever you oh, I had he, the same. He goes, take whatever you want. So I'm looking at him like you're doing almost like you're shoplifting. Yeah. yeah. You know? So like so I grab like a couple of his solo albums. I didn't want to like, you yeah, know, man. you might as well, you know, stroke his ego a little yeah. bit. Like, oh my God, I wanted this solo album. I throw it in there. He's like I, I can't do the he goes, take take more. And I literally he had like a gift shop. Dude, at at his house, I couldn't do it. I would be so uncomfortable. I wouldn't. I couldn't By the it. way, 
Uh, you had an opposite experience of the uh, the first time I heard about the room before I saw it. I did a show with a bunch of bands, and one of the artists was Sebastian Bach yeah. from Skid Row. And oh, uh, Sebastian's a huge Kiss fan, right. a huge yeah. Howard yeah. Stern fan, so he knows who I am and loves that I do these impressions of the guys from Kiss. And uh, I asked him one question that set him off. I said, has Gene ever been cheap to you? And he said, dude, uh. I was at that guy's house, uh. and that guy has like a Kiss museum inside his house, uh. and you walk in, and he had a bag with like 100 Kiss cell phone covers. I said, dude, what the hell is that? And Gene apparently goes, that's our new promotion for Kissmas. It's our Kiss cell phone covers. He goes, can I have one of those? I wish I could, but if you go to Kiss Online, a <laughs> hundred pieces of plastic would not give him one piece of plastic. I, I had a moment where, so I did a pilot for VH1. It was about a record company, right? And it was Gene Simmons was in the show, uh, Polly Poulette, who was on CSI. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Sebastian Bach was in it. Mark McGrath, <laughs> Mark McGrath was in it. Uh, some Safe Ferris. It was like it was crazy. And at right. one point, I'm just standing there. Gene comes over, and I had a card game way back in the day that Gene wanted to buy from me. Okay. He's like, you're, 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 you're marketing wrong. You got it, whatever. And one of the the uh, bases for Metallica, the guy who left. Jason. 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 So he, I'm talking to that guy, right? So he's got a bass on because they're, they're rehearsing, and I just put the bass on. I don't know how to play guitar. And he's like, well, you put your fingers here and then you strum it. Then Gene Simmons comes, puts his arm around me and goes, you got to make sure your fingers are here. And I'm just sitting here going, there's probably a 16-year-old bassist oh, yeah. that would that, that would just orgasm in their pants <laughs> yeah. to have both of these guys touching you, right. showing you how to play the bass. Yeah. And I could literally care less. Right. Yeah. I just yeah, feel so uncomfortable weird. that I have grown men touching me. <laughs> yeah. like, with their arms around you. Yeah, with their arms <laughs> around me. So, the, the yeah, it was totally... When you hear an impression, how long does it take you, like, if you heard a random person, if we had, like, a, a spin the wheel? I'm just impressed how people get impressions. Like, you hear my nasally voice. Is, is there somebody you think that I could do just hearing how nasally I am? Like, can you match like that, or do you, is it a mimic thing? Sometimes I'll try to get a voice, and I'll land on somebody else's voice on the way. Okay. I don't really, but but it's really it was it really was because I grew up in a deaf family and couldn't learn how to talk. Mm. I learned how to talk by copying all the voices I heard on TV, and I never got an accent from the Bronx, which is where I'm from, and uh, I just uh, I, I learned how to talk by bending my voice to everything I heard on TV, and it's. Oh. Wow. It's like when you call your best friend, uh, we all pick up our goofy little sounds and, and dialects from whatever part of the world we grow up in. And, and uh, you can hear it when you call your best friend and someone picks up the phone. You think it's your best friend. And it could be somebody of the opposite sex in the same family. But they've all learned how to pick up the phone and go, mellow. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, those yeah. little nuances. Yeah. <laughs> and so those little things, those little ticks that you pick up um, – is, uh, you know, we all are capable of sounding like anything. And the reason why deaf people sound the way they do is because they are not listening to everybody else to blend in. That's all we're doing when we're growing up is we're just trying to blend in. So we pick up whatever goofy accent is is immediately in front of us. Yeah. And we start talking like everybody around us to blend in. It's it's. I uh, was in the shower one time when we were doing afternoons. It was midday. And I was in the shower. And I had the big echo in the shower. <laughs> and I went... Start singing. Well, no, I was I I, I made a noise. I was talking, and I said, uh, and 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 uh, and I was like, oh goddamn it! I just nailed Morgan Freeman from Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah. And I kept and I got and I was like, and 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 I called my wife and I was like, nailed this. Listen to this. Can't do any impression. Just kill this. And I go, Andy, and she's like, Forrest Gump, and I go. <laughs> yeah. And that and that's been my hardest one to do. The only one I could do is is Yoda. Climbing onto a log. <clears throat> you nailed that, though. Yeah. Pretty good, that right? Great. Pretty yeah. good? That was, was great. It was on that day <laughs> that Craig knew his career was over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to tell you, you and Caliendo are, are the best at doing voices. Caliendo did this thing at Christmas time 
where he did a night before Christmas, but it was all the Avengers voices. Yeah, that was impressive. <laughs> and he did it all in one take. Uh, he was watching the video, and he was like, "Not you, me, you, hang." Okay. And then he and then he jump into uh, Tony Stark, and then the Captain America, and he and he's just. He's amazing the way he mimics people. I love hearing a, a good. Imp- I love doing impressions. I love hearing a good impression. Yeah, uh, I like doing bad impressions. I like when I when I kind of half-ass it and like you know. I mean, it really is the result of when I get auditions for Family Guy or American Dad or now Disney. It's usually voice matches. Right. I'll say hey, can you match this celebrity voice? Yeah. And it's usually because the celebrity doesn't want to put in more time and and right. contractually. They're kind of in a bind, so they want to get somebody who sounds like them. Which is what Tom Hanks' brother does. Yeah. No for the toy, way. For the Toy Story cartoons is Tom Hanks' brother. Yeah, and a lot of the promotional stuff, McDonald's or whatever, yeah. if you see Woody, it's his voice. He's doing it. Wow. I, I like what Craig does with the uh, voices that you nobody else does. It's right. Like, you do Gary from Stern Show, and that's so good. The whole, the mannerisms and everything is down. So that's usually just being a fan, like yeah. just hearing Gary and just, you know, hearing Gary's different things, you know. <laughs> and Gary actually stopped doing a lot of his tics <laughs> because he because he, I, like, he used to always say, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, man. Yeah. <laughs> can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. And then he used to like, uh, he had a nervous thing of repeating, uh, I, no, I, I gotcha. Yeah. I got, no, I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. And he stopped good. saying that. Yeah. Like, and there's, you know, like I was a fan of Sam Kinison, so like the voice got stuck in my head because I just watched his specials over and over and over again. Um, You're, I, hearing you talk normal, I hear hints of everybody as you talk. Yeah, like when you so you said Sam Kinison, I hear you, you. I hear a little Sam. I normally hear a little bit of Tom Arnold when you're talking. Do you know what's crazy? Uh, was um, uh, an, a, a thing that I that Sam revealed about himself that was mind blowing that I never heard before was Bob Costas used to do a late night show after Letterman. After Letterman, yeah. it was it was uh, Tonight Show with Johnny Carson followed by Late Night with Dave and then and later later yeah. Yeah. with Bob Costas, which was a good show, amazing yeah. show. Everyone that sat in front of Bob at some point in every interview would go, "How'd you know that?" Like yeah. he would blow away his subjects. By like showing that he'd done a lot of homework, he had Sam Kinison on his show, and I thought, "What what is Bob going to know about Sam Kinison?" And Bob actually says, "You know, Sam, I used to watch you back in Hollywood, back at the Comedy Store when you first started in the early '80s, and back then your entire act was based on that day's obituaries." <laughs> and I used to say to myself, "You know what? This guy's brilliant, but he's never going to be famous because you're too dark." And Sam went, "Oh my God." I forgot about that. And he starts explaining that when he first started out in Hollywood, he would go on stage with the obituaries from uh. that day's newspaper and go, Hey, folks, my name's Sam Kennison. I, uh, I want to thank you guys for coming out. Thanks for supporting stand-up comedy. I'll tell you a couple people that you won't be seeing here tonight. And he'd whip out the obituaries and start reading up like uh, Esther Goldberg. <laughs> No, she didn't. She didn't catch the bus. She's not here. Uh, but apparently, if you want to see her work, it's going to be on display on Sunday at Evergreen. <laughs> it was so dark. It was, uh, the, the, yeah. It was. It was amazing. He was the best. He really was, man. I, I, I also love hearing stories about how guys, how how brilliant comedians find their voice. There's like a galvanizing moment that Richard Pryor described about saying the N-word on stage for the first right. time. And Sam has this incredible story that that his best friend Carl actually tells right. about how Sam was in a fight with his second wife when Carl picked him up to take him to the comedy store, breaking dishes and throwing like, you know, shut up, you whore. And then Sam runs out, jumps in the car, and, and Carl drives over the hill. And, and he can see his friend is just distraught so he doesn't say anything to him and they they get to the comedy store and it's time for Sam to go on. Sam goes on stage and there's a really cute young couple on like in front of the in front of the stage and they're being really affectionate with each other and Sam goes Man, are you guys uh are you, are you, are you guys are you guys married? Are you married? No, cuz you guys look very cute. Look like you're in love. Are you guys married? No, you're not. Are you, are you thinking about getting married? And they look at each other and they go, "I don't know, maybe." And he goes, "Yeah." Well, if you're thinking about getting married, I want you to remember this face. Ah! (laughs) You get get married. That's going to be your face for the rest of your goddamn (laughs) life. Let me ask you a question about Sam and why Carl won't take our phone calls anymore. Have you heard about this? No. Okay. Do you know about this? 
I know the story of Carl. Yeah. Okay. No. 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 It's mind blowing. No. No. This is even no, worse. different one. So <laughs> Richard Pryor's son is on a podcast at the Comedy Store. You know that podcast that they do. Yeah. Yeah. Is that when he revealed that he was touched by the, that comedian? Yes. Yes. Uh, which is what is his name? Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney. Yeah. He he claims that Paul Mooney was going to have that Richard Pryor was going to have Paul Mooney killed when he found out that he had sex with his son. And uh, and it ended up not happening. And uh, in that conversation, Richard Pryor's son claims that he had sex with Sam Kinison. He said Sam had him over to the house one time, and he said, M- "Me and Carl, those were his, this is Sam. This is Pryor's son's words. Me and Carl both think that you're kind of you're kind of sexy, and I would totally love to." And and he, you know, and the kid was gay, and nobody knew Sam. Uh, had those whether it's true and I don't know and um, then he had sex with uh, Sam Kinison and we called the guy and got him on the air and he we set up an interview the right way with him the Pryor's kid to ask him and he was all excited to talk because I guess he wrote a book when nobody told me he couldn't talk about the Mooney thing so I started off with the Mooney talk because that was in the news right then and he hung up on me right in the middle of the conversation Wow! so to try and prove whether the story has been true or false We've called around everywhere. Uh, Jimmy Schubert, Jimmy Schubert was, was in the studio. Like a couple of days later, we played the audio for Schubert, and Schubert says, "No, that I." He goes, "I mean, it's possible, but I never knew Sam to do anything like that." Uh, we tried to call Carl, and Carl got scared, and he hung up on us, and he wouldn't take the phone call anymore. And uh, we try, we're trying to dig, but Carl makes me think there might be some truth to it because he's afraid. And then another comedian who wanted to uh, stay anonymous, Schubert told us he had sex with Roseanne. And that that was Sam's fault, and so Schubert will talk about some stuff. Yeah, and they said Schubert might want not want to admit the Sam stuff because he there might have been some weird stuff there as well. There is someone that you and I mm. both know. Uh huh. Who? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Who claims uh, they were in a room where uh, some gay stuff happened with uh, Sam? With Sam, yeah. Uh-huh. I think, and uh, it's much like Eddie Murphy when you have. That much drugs and that much sex, after a while, it all just becomes, what else yeah. can I do? Thing. Like, when you hear about, like, front men who are super macho front men and you hear rumors they're really that, they're, that they're gay, you, you think, well, maybe it's just because they just had so much sex, they're just bored. Yeah. You know? I'm not that bored yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, you want to hear the audio? We'll play the audio. I want you to hear this. We were up at uh, Sam's house, and Sam's talking to me, and he's like, you know, um, Carl and I think you're hot i'm like what carl carl about yeah and i'm like what (laughs) all right this is totally true totally true i'm like what are you talking about and he said um i like to do anything that's bad would you me this is sam kennison and i'm like what are you talking about and he's like yeah would you me and the first thing out of my mouth was Hell no. Do you, do you have any porn? So anyway, that's the bottom line. You say you need well, porn to get in the mood. In that question, I wonder, just playing devil's advocate, if Sam is playing with him, uh, like thinking that, I don't know, just playing devil's advocate, right. does he think that this kid is gay and he's, you know, like, is is, is right. the approach like, uh, would you do this? And he's just messing with him. Just but to he claimed see. he did it. Yeah. And he so claimed that he, he actually goes, did it. Took it a little too far. I thought you were going to go with, uh, the first time I ever, like, really uh, started hanging out at the comedy store, um, I just met a whole bunch of comics and, and uh, just kept asking questions about the history of the comedy store. And this insane story revealed itself when uh, we started talking about Sam Kinison, and somebody said, dude, have you ever seen Carl's daughter? Oh, yeah. And everyone everyone in this social circle was like, you know, wait, what about Carl's daughter? And there was another guy in that group, a comedian that you and I both know, who went, shut your mouth, man. Uh. Shut your mouth. And he goes... What I'm, I'm just saying, have you ever seen his daughter? He goes, I know what you're saying. Shut your mouth. And it got really tense, like they were going to fight. And then after a little while, that whole group kind of broke up. And I went back to that guy who first introduced the idea and said, Mitchell Walters? Uh, I go, what's the deal with the... I go, why was that guy so mad? And he goes, dude, if you look at Carl LeBeau's daughter, Carl was Sam Kinison's best friend. Yeah. His daughter looks nothing like him. His daughter looks like Sam Kinison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then years later, I got a call from Carl saying, I'm going to do the Howard Stern show tomorrow. 
I haven't done the show in 15 years since Sam was alive, and I want to know if I could just ask you some questions about what the show's like now. And I said, of course. And he said, okay, I want to tell you why I'm calling or, or why I'm going to be on the show. And he revealed to me, I, I just learned. My yeah, case. he's told this story on the show before. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he had to pay. He still has to pay. Child yeah. support. Yeah. yeah. Which is why he went on the air on the Howard Stern yeah. show, because he was fighting the those ch- laws. Yeah. Yeah. Those p- p- I, mean, had a, I mean, they had the test and everything. They know it's not. They know not for sure. Shit. And he said the way that California state law was set up at the time, I don't know if there's any changes that have been made. Right. That regardless of what is found out later, whoever puts their name on that birth certificate as the father, you are responsible for the next 18 years. Even if you're a white guy. And the kid comes out black. It's it's like you are. If it's yeah. obvious that it's not your kid, that you've signed that paper, you've signed that document. You're legally responsible for the next 18 years. Yeah, which is That's really so crazy. And you wonder, sad and crazy at the same time. And you wonder as crazy as Gene Simmons was, like like how there aren't like kids all or or even like Me Too. Right. Like how is but like Gene's a gentleman. Like when women will tell you that Gene. That Gene does things to them, and he's a he's a giver, and I bet you the chicks that slept with Gene wanted to sleep with Gene. But but he's banging every, like I would picture Gene Simmons standing doing a commercial in front of like a bank of phone operators saying, "Have you been to a Kiss concert between last Friday and 1974? <laughs> <laughs> Did somebody touch you inappropriately? Uh, Call me, I'll help you sue Kiss." <laughs> and then he makes money on both on both ends, you know. You can do that, but dude, there are stories. There are people that work with Kiss that have come forward to me and say, hey, I got a story for you. Maybe you can use it in your stand-up. And the stories are horrifying. There was one where this guy said that, uh, and I think I told you this once off the air, that Gene actually banged Miss America while he was on tour. And it was the reigning Miss America of that year. And this guy who works for the band says, uh, the next night, Gene banged a whore. A girl that was such a mess that even the guys in the road crew were like, Jesus, did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> and the next night, they're in a day, they have a day off in a town that's so small that the band and the road crew have to stay in the same hotel. And this guy's telling me from his point of view, he said, I just happened to be in the bar that night as Gene Simmons was walking through the lobby and he's dragging this enormous girl with him through the lobby, <laughs> gets in the elevator, pushes the button to his floor. And then looks at me through the lobby, and as the elevator's door closes, he goes, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The next day at Soundcheck, he walks up to Gene, and he goes, Gene, Gene, did you hook up with that girl last night? And he goes, of course. (laughs) And he goes, didn't you hook up with Miss America that night? And he goes, Steve, listen to me, okay? I'm going to give you some valuable advice. You can't have filet mignon every night. <laughs> Sometimes you got to go to McDonald's. <laughs> it's the worst advice that you can give another man. It's like uh, well, when you just, have a choice of places, you yeah, like to mix it up a little bit. He's just, you know, not a selective person and is proud to yeah. not be selective. The best is there's a sex tape of Gene with another girl. And she won't kiss him. She won't kiss him. Won't kiss him. And, and he is doing stuff to her and doing a... It's Gene. Like, there's not too many people. Like, you could look at a Kiss cover band and know that that's not Gene. This is Gene in yeah. the video. Yeah. Then you ask Gene about it, and he's like, no. I won't talk about it. He's oh, like, is that right? Yeah, he's like, none of your business. It's old wow. news. You know what John was saying about uh, his kids being really um, uh, grounded, really cool kids? Yeah. His son. His wife. Everybody. Like, everybody was super His cool. son comes to the comedy store all the time. Yeah. And uh, Nick, and he's he's handsome. He's like super tall. Yeah, he's, he's, good always, good. he's like his dad. He's always got beautiful women with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he's, he'll always, he showed up one night uh, at the comedy store, and he had this girl who was like 18. And he goes, uh, oh, oh, my God, this is, okay, um, this is Craig. He he's a he does like an amazing impression of my dad. But wait, wait, watch this, Craig. Craig, do um do do Christopher Walken. And I looked at the girl and I went, "Do you know who Christopher Walken is?" Uh-huh. <laughs> and she goes, "No." Uh-huh. And Nick goes, "No, no, no. You you'll know. You'll know. Just 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 do it. Just do it." Yeah. And I go, I go, "Listen, I don't even know if you know who this guy <laughs> is, but he sounds weird. And every once in a while, he says the word cowbell." <laughs> <Pow>. <laughs> And the girl looked at me and went, 
Good for you. Yeah. 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 Did you ask? Uh, you ever do up. that to me again? Do Barney Fife. Do yeah. Barney Fife. Do Barney Fife. Now. Good for you, you old man. Good, Good for, for you. you. Oh my God! Like uh, walk me right into a humiliating thing. But yeah, those those kids are really grounded. Yeah. Well, good for them. Good Dude, for aren't you. you, John? Are you nervous when? Uh, when Mike says he's starting to do stand up, like, are you nervous for him, like his uh, starting out and what those experiences? I miss are it because be like? I've done. I started doing stand up when I was seventeen, so I think it was like eighty eight or eighty nine. Um, so I miss whatever feelings you have. What are you? What are you go, nervous about? Like going going on how well, excited you were. You, I'm not. You have uh, you have a foundation, yeah. that's comfortable here, right? And you're putting yourself in a spot, unless you're promoting every show so you have your audience there to be there for you, you're, you're putting yourself in a situation to damage your, your ego. I said this, I said to my wife the other day, I said, these shows are, because side supposed to ask me, hey, do you want to do this? Like maybe somebody canceled or they needed to, you know, and I know Mark Norman, so yeah. they were like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, 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 that'd be cool. And and then I was like, oh man, I wonder if the shows aren't selling and they need the promotion. The guy goes, no, we'll sell out. We'll have, it'll be yeah, so, Mark sells. Yeah, so I was like, okay. Now the last time I did it is because Bobby Kelly keeps telling me you should do it, you should do it, you should do it. Then one day we spent a couple of days together, and I was like, eh, maybe I'll do it tonight. I'll try it tonight. Right. So I just wrote a couple of things down and worked it out, and I went up. Well, I had, I was so sick, I had a cold that was really bad, and it was making my heart already beat fast, and I. So I got up there, and in the first minute, I I came out a little splash. It was good, and then I kind of lost it a little because my mind went blank, my heart was beating, I was losing yeah. my voice. But I was able right there to just stop for a second and without it being uncomfortable, and just turn around and, and pick it up and keep going. Now I only did like seven minutes, so it wasn't like it wasn't. I went out there and did a, an, a special. I was able to pull it off and get some laughs. Now I got to tell you that most of the time when I go see comedians that I like and they put guys up there that I don't know and I see it, they're awful. Yeah. So I, I'm like, I can't be any worse than those guys. But that muscle you're referring to is a muscle you've built as a host when uh, someone you're interviewing just comes to a complete stop. Yes. You've developed a muscle of like... Keep it moving. So, uh, and you keep, you just keep a conversation moving. Right. So, and, yeah. So I, I, And also I have no fear whatsoever of talking in front of a group of people right. or dying in front of a group of people. I don't, it's like I... And so you're doing it in front of groups of people that aren't necessarily fans of yours. I would imagine, I would say half of the We're people there popular. will be We're, fans, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah no. they're, not, they're not buying my show. Yeah, no, because I, I know no you, no names. I know guys who have podcasts yeah. that, that are <laughs> comics. And then, uh, and I'm sorry, then, what are they? And then... <laughs> They'll go do shows, but because their podcast is so popular, people who already like them show up, and then they think they're funny because right. they're already in. Where me, being a little jaded after 35 years, I want to go, no, let me take you away from your crowd mm. and throw you in Pittsburgh's second show of an audience who right. doesn't know who you are. Yeah. What about those? That makes... But, I'm, yeah. but I come what, from the old a, club's mentality of, of comedy, not... Here's my butt on Instagrams. I sell right. shows. But now, now at the same time, where I, I think the guys on Instagram who have that huge following, yeah. they can still do a live show. They're going to call it comedy, but it doesn't have to be comedy. Like, if I had, a, if I had just a, a, a following from a podcast and I know I could sell at a comedy club, I wouldn't make a show out of that. I wouldn't try to get up there and tell jokes the entire time. I would get up there and I would, if my podcast is me talking about uh, topical things... I, 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 it's fine to just do a talk presentation. Like, I don't mind that these guys, I don't understand why you guys do, why you get annoyed with that, but I don't mind that these guys are utilizing comedy clubs to, to, to get in front of a live audience. I mean, also, they, that's where money is. You know, they need to make money off yeah. of their popularity. But don't I, call yourself a comedian. I, I did a show. I was at the Chicago Improv, and the show started at 7. So the owner goes, hey, we have a 4 o'clock show before you. It's this YouTube kid. Uh, you should come by and see it. I show up. Places beyond sold out. Yeah. Uh, you know, 100 and some tickets sold at VIP at, at $175 wow, a they, ticket. They do a lot of VIPs. Uh, mm -hmm. Those Instagram uh, sold YouTube out. Guys. I, have it on, I have it on video. The, the guy comes out in a onesie, uh, dances, FaceTimes his dad, finds somebody who's having a birthday, says happy birthday, sings a song, uh -huh. and is done. With his show in maybe 14 minutes. Yeah. Get out of here. Then there was a four-hour long meet and, meet and, greet. and uh, greet. Unbelievable. And he goes, and then 
I do my 8 o'clock show that had 65 people in it <laughs> uh, and did an hour. And, uh, you know. What's the guy's name that I had? I- and then that guy quit because the stress of the road. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> and I, I'm not being bitter and I don't wish bad about anything. But he traveled for six months in the stress of uh, going city to city yeah. for six months. He much. had a bit of a breakdown. And I was just like, are you are you kidding me? You know what? I need yoga pants and an Instagram account. Mm. I need to start taking more pictures of my butt. <laughs> to to, to and, John's point, though, about doing stand-up in a stand-up environment. I do remember a crazy night once in Las Vegas where I opened for Norm MacDonald at the House of Blues. It was sold out. 1,600 seats sold out. Yeah. And the MC comes up to me and says, uh, hey, uh, what do you want me to say about you? I go, you, whatever. But it's, it's gas, you know, Craig Gas. And he goes, okay, cool. I'm nervous. And I said, yeah, man, it's, it's a big crowd, man. And he goes, it's my first time. And I said, it's your first time in front of a big crowd, and he goes. Uh, he goes. No, it's my it's my first time doing stand up. And I go. I go. You've never done stand. I go. How did you get this gig? And he said, I'm a bartender here. I've always wanted. Oh. To be. He goes. I've always wanted to be a comedian, oh. and uh, it's been my dream to do stand up comedy. We we get the schedules like months ahead of time. So when I saw Norm's actually my favorite comedian oh, of all time, dude. and when I saw Norm, I was like, Oh man, can I open? There's actually a bunch of my friends that work here. They all took the night off. They're here to support me. They just stood in the crowd. And I go. And I go. And you have, but you, but you. Just to be clear. You haven't, you didn't go to any open mics to like work on your stuff. And he goes, No, this, this is it. This is oh. and then, wow. Oh. And then he walked out on stage in front of 1,600 people. And he had all these rhythms where he was showing the crowd that he was expecting a laugh. Right. 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 And the crowd is just sitting there and it's so awkward. Sweat is starting to pour out of his pits, uh. he, he, his mouth is getting dry. And then at one point, and it's 1,600 people. The place is completely full. Everyone's ready to laugh. Yeah. Right. And it's just silence. And then the guy finally says, and this is such a rookie mistake, maybe you had to be there. Oh, yeah. And someone in the top row of the upper balcony, it sounded like, yelled out, maybe you're not funny. <laughs> Finally exploded with laughter. And even Norm MacDonald said, Hey, I feel bad for this guy. This guy's bombing. Hey, don't don't make fun of him. You don't want to get out there. And I was like, All right, man. But uh, what was the worst paid gig you ever did? Horrible. Um, Oh, God. Uh,. Mine was on a Zamboni. I sat on a Zamboni. <laughs> I sat on a Zamboni, and as the Zamboni cleared the ice, I had a microphone. Oh, my God. And everybody was, like, oh, flipping me a thing. And then the Zamboni driver had ear protection on, and he kept looking at me, giving me the thumbs up <laughs> as I sit. And we're just going around and around That's impossible. and around. You know, I, I hate to say this because this is the answer to your question, and I hate to say this because I like the guy. Pegasus Lounge. Uh, no. <laughs> Pegasus Lounge is going to be great on Saturday night. By the way, the tickets for Pegasus Lounge are at getgas.com. Getgas with two S's.com. But uh, I got a text from somebody that works for KISS saying, Paul Stanley's going to call you today. And I said, about what? And he said, he'll tell you when he calls you. And I got super nervous. And then Paul called me and just said uh, he has this side project where it's like an R&B uh, band. They play classic uh, soul and R&B hits from the 50s right. and 60s. And he said, I want you to open for us. Um, we're going to do a show at the Roxy. And I said, I go, yeah. And then he, he kept overselling it and overselling it. And I finally just said, I go, had Paul. me at Paul Stanley. I go, you, ex- yeah. exactly. And I said, Paul, I go, I go, listen, man, I'm in. I'm flattered that you want me to be a part of your right. show, man. Right. So listen, y- you tell me how much you're going to pay me and I'm going to agree to whatever you say. And he went, well, let me ask you this. <laughs> What's the least amount of money you've ever been paid? <laughs> and I go, well, I go, if I'm going to be honest, I, I mean, this is kind of embarrassing, but I just did two nights in an arena opening for Motley Crue. Uh-huh. And this is what they paid me. And it was embarrassing. And he made a joke about, that's why Motley Crue's breaking up. And I went, uh-huh. And then he said, you know, when Kiss did our farewell tour, bands paid us to be our opening act. And I went, uh, <laughs> I go, wait, are you saying I got overpaid? Uh-huh. And, yeah. yeah, but he, he wanted me to do his shows, and the pay was nothing. No. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's then, not happening. Yeah, it was, but you know, it was like you got to do it though. Yeah, I mean, it's like like doing the Gene Simmons TV show. Gene, <laughs> Gene wanted me to do it for nothing. Like he had somebody communicate to me, like, hey, it's 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 good exposure, and yeah, and, I was on it. And Gene would consider it a favor. But when I left, I had the same experience where I was leaving out of off of his property, and then someone got a radio call saying, "Hey, Gene wants you to come back inside." the house he wants to talk to you go go meet him in front of the kiss museum and uh so i i go in front of the kiss museum and gene is standing there and there's tables with merchandise yeah yeah and he goes would you like some parting gifts uh, and i said <laughs> oh yeah. i go yeah and he goes what do you you wear extra large let me give you some do you like boxers do you want yeah 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 and it's... i go yeah whatever you want and he goes let me give you a shopping bag and it has a kiss, kiss logo. Yeah, yeah, I have that same bag. He starts filling it up, and I notice that he has baby clothes. And I look at him, and I go, oh, my God, uh, I have a question. This is not for me. My friend Mike is the guitar player for Pearl Jam, and he just had a baby, and he's the biggest Kiss fan in the world. Is it okay if I take something for him, one of the baby onesies? Yeah. And I said, is that Mike McCready? <laughs> and I said, it is. He's he's a good friend. He's he loves you, yeah. and he he just had a baby, so yeah. this is like perfect. He said, "You can have two. And I was like, "Oh, thank <laughs> yeah, you. yeah!" And I grabbed two, and I was like, "Oh, I don't you. forget." Yeah. He he got some. He had these kiss <laughs> kiss gargoyles that you put in your your uh you know Plant your, garden your, your whatever, garden. Yeah, and he's pulling. Goes, he, like I, I, yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll talk that as the nasally John Heffern being Gene Simmons. Right. So he goes, "Yeah, a lot of people send me." Uh, the, you know, stuff of like, hey, there, here's what a kiss thing. And he's pulling it up, and it has all that packing popcorn yeah. right in it, and, and it's going everywhere. Yeah. Like, he's just lifting Not it. environmentally friendly. And, and we're not even inside. We're just in his hallway of his house, yeah. so I, with my foot, start, like, kicking it to, to make a pile. Right. And then I bend down to, uh, you know, I'm going to clean it up because he's making a huge mess oh, and it's no. going everywhere. And he goes, what are you doing? And I go, he goes, well, no, we, we don't do that. That's, that's not what we do. There's, there's people here that will take care of that. Uh-huh. And I'm wow. like, you're just allowed to make a mess like this? Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, that's how it is in my house. We, we don't do that? I oh. remember like that first time I walked in his house, he got really nervous because it wasn't his idea to have me over. It was the producers of the show. Like, how funny it would be if Craig came in and, and did his impression in front of you and we could have fun. And, and he was really uh, cautious when I walked in. He said, so why are you here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you going to make fun of me? Is that why you're here? And yeah. I said, no, I... I want to hang out with you, man. Like, yeah. I, you know, can I tell you what would be a perfect day for me is if I could hang out with you and tell you some jokes yeah. and, and you tell me your favorite jokes. That would be an awesome day. And he said, you want, you want to hear a joke? Can I tell you? And I said, sure. And he, I don't know if he's ever told you this joke. He told me while I was standing in his house. It took him five minutes to tell his joke. I could summarize it in three sentences. A guy dies and goes to heaven. Uh-huh. And he's, uh, uh, St. Pete is, is giving him a tour of heaven. And then they open up a door, and there's Gene Simmons sitting on a giant throne. And this guy says to St. Pete, what's Gene Simmons doing here? And St. Peter says, that's not Gene Simmons. That's God. He just thinks he's Gene Simmons. And I went, oh, my God, I'm getting struck down by lightning. I'm going to get out of this. This is crazy. Like, I got to get out of this house. I did a show. His show was so weird. Like, they had, you know, it was scripted reality fake. Right. You know? Yeah. So, I think. We, we figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. His, his, his wife, mm-hmm. his wife had a, a sister. Yep. I think. Yep. She was uh, on the, on the show. show yeah. Who was single. Yeah. So, Gene was trying to oh. set her up. On a date, so I show up, which was weird because at the time I was married. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so I get showed up, and then Danny Bonaduce shows up. Okay. Who I had not. I used to do morning radio with Bonaduce. Oh no! And I had not seen him since. Oh, you weren't. He didn't punched come me. Together. Gave, gave okay. me a concussion. Right. Like I had not seen. And then Carrot Top shows up, <laughs> and then we're all eating this fake. Lunch and, and Gene's trying to set us all up. It's and you, I'm like, uh, it's you, Danny Bonaduce, and Carrot Top. I'm like, Do you have a thing for redheads? That, that's what I mean. I'm like, I'm the oddest guy out of yeah. here. I, I haven't lifted a weight in, in 10 years. And it's, yeah, it was oh, kind of a weird. Hilarious. Yeah. You know who she used to bang? 
Everybody? Uh, she did, she she did was, all that HBO she, porn when I was in high school. She, no, this is the sister. Oh, the sister? This Who? is the sister. Uh, she Which was a, good porn, by, by, by the way, like Emmanuel, yeah, yeah, Young yeah, Lady yeah. Chatterley. Anything with Shannon Tweed. Yeah, that was, was some good stuff. But you're but, talking about Tracy Tweed, right? Yeah, I, for, I forgot her name. Yeah. yeah, and Tracy was an F-buddy. Of Al Pacino. Shut up. She was an F buddy of Al Pacino's. In, now and, I don't know if you're telling the truth or if you're yeah, just working impressionist. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he wants that. 100% true. And they wanted me to do that. Not only did they want me to do the episode you just described, they wanted me to start prank calling her as Al Pacino. I was like, I'm not. I go, it's. Cause, and you I think say was, I'm not. This is if I was you. This is all I would do. Yeah, totally. and I would do it only for my own, my own yeah, enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. yeah, not even recorded to show anybody. I answer every. Telemarketing call that comes in when they say spam risk and I hit hello. Nobody in the car and I just spend five <laughs> minutes talking to them every Dude, time. Every I've time. done that. That's that's actually. Well, if I was you, I'd really do it. That's how I became friends with Tom Arnold. Is when I was when I was starting out doing stand up in Seattle. Uh, a comedian friend of mine was working at a hotel and said, all the stars from the grand opening of Planet Hollywood are here, and they're staying at my hotel. And oh. I said, who are the stars? And, and the only comic was Tom Arnold. And I called the hotel and said, hi, uh, Tom Arnold, please. And they just put me through to his room. And this is just for me. He picked up the phone. Sam Kinison had been dead for 10 years at that right. point. And Tom picked the phone. And he goes, hello. And I said, hey, Tom, it's Sam Kinison. I'm calling you from hell. <laughs> and he goes, without missing a beat, he just goes, hey, Sam, what's going on? <laughs> and I go, I go, I go, Tom, I go, listen, man, I know it's been a long time. And I, I, I have a favor I want to ask you. And I, I need you to do me a favor. And he goes, yeah, Tom, what, what is it, buddy? Just just tell me what it is and I'll, I'll help you out. And I go, I, I need you to get me some drugs. <laughs> and so this is how you're going to do it. You're, you're going to, fr- first of all, you have to front me the cash. <laughs> Front me the cash, and I need you to take the money, and then I want you to buy some cocaine. And then I need you to fly to Los Angeles. This is the tricky part. I want you to take the cocaine, and I want you to put it in the pocket of Jerry Lewis. <laughs> and I'll have it when he gets here in three weeks! <laughs> oh, oh, oh! And does he lose his mind? Does he start laughing? And he, he says, yeah, yeah, whatever. I do whatever you want, Sam. And I go, I go, hey, uh, I go, Tom, I'm sorry. My name's Craig Gass. I'm just a, I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm just, I'm a fan of yours. And he goes, man, that was, that was really really good. Uh, I, you know what? You know how good that is? Like, I need to call my sponsor. That's how uh, good. <laughs> like, oh, man. And then he gave me his phone number and said, do, do you have anything I could look at? Do you have any, like, stay, I'd love to look at your stuff. And, and I sent him something. He called me a week later and said, uh, you know, if I was you, this is my advice. You know, take it or leave it. But if you ever need anything, you call me. And instead of Maintaining the friendship, I take this impression of Tom Arnold and just like ruin him <laughs> city by city. Doing You're welcome. These, you know, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Uh, I, I love it. If I were you, I would just. That's all I would do is make. I would find people Oof. on the peripheral of like I'd call Al Pacino's dog groomer, <laughs> and I would just be like, "Oh, we I decided to kill it." There's a <laughs> video on YouTube somewhere of the first time I met Tracy. It was at the rehearsal for that. Gene Simmons roast. The roast. And yeah. they, they, they have cameras rolling during the rehearsal. And this is a real moment. We didn't script this uh, where she said, you know, I know Al Pacino. And I said, I heard. Yeah. And she goes, um, has he ever heard your impression? I go, I don't know. I, I've heard rumors. She goes, let's call him. And we filmed it. I prank called Al Pacino. As Al Pacino? As Al, well, she, she gets his, uh, his voicemail. And um, I go, just leave a message. And she goes, uh, first words out of her mouth. And she goes, <laughs> Hi, sexy. Uh. He's like 80. <laughs> she goes, hi, sexy. It's Tracy. And I go, I go, tell him. Tell him his brother's on the phone. Uh, your your brother is here. Tell him his name's Sal Pacino. Sal? Uh, his Sal name Pacino. is Sal Pacino, and he wants to talk to you. Uh, I'll put him on. Hi. Oh, boy. Uh, Mom and Dad <laughs> <laughs> didn't tell you everything. Call me back. <laughs> and then uh, she gets a call and says, that, you know, oh, he loved it. He thought it was like, you know. Uh, uh, what about, didn't you call Anderson Cooper? Um, I don't think, no, I never called Anderson Cooper. Who did I call? Who'd you get that was on their boat? Oh, my God. The dude from Fox News. Um, oh, was it Anderson Cooper? Tucker. Was it? No, the uh, Sean Hannity. Oh, Sean oh, that's Hannity. Right. Okay, we okay. Prank called Sean Hannity, and the guy from Atlanta has that. Not we prank called Donald Trump. Right, Donald Trump. Because I was explaining to my friends, we're on the air, we're having fun, and they're like, "Man, we should take these impressions and and see if we can get people on the phone." And I said, "The one guy that can get anybody on the phone is Al Pacino." Yeah. And we got Jay Leno picked up the phone. Dave Letterman almost picked up the phone. Uh, Donald Trump picked up the phone, and Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity's assistant. 
said, well, he's on a boat. Right, that was the story. He's on a boat, so I don't, and it's like, but, oh, man, she's listening to the voice, and she said, hold on, let me just um, uh, hang on, and then she calls and then says, okay, here's Sean's cell phone number, and we called Sean, and Sean with the phone, he goes, hello, and I said, Sean, it's Al Pacino, and he goes, yeah, and he just let me talk, (laughs) and I talked for a minute straight, and he goes, okay. I, I just want to say something. Do you remember what you said or why you yeah, were following him? I, he you had, were following a case or something. He had an exclusive at the time with the Runaway Bride. The Runaway yes, Bride. Yes, yes, You were like, I'm, I'm obsessed with the Runaway yeah, Bride. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, for some reason, it was a big story that was all over the news. Right. And for some reason, this woman and her family said the only people that we will talk to in the media is Sean Hannity. She yeah. was like, I, w- I won't do anybody else except for Sean Hannity. So Sean had the exclusive on this story. And as Al Pacino, I said that I wanted to bang her. I said, I, I think she's cute or yeah, something yeah, yeah. and whatever. But Sean, uh, in this recorded conversation, said, uh, I have to tell you, when I first got the phone call, I thought for sure this was a prank. But can I just tell you, I love you, sir. I am a big fan of yours. And I adore you. I'm such a fan of your work. And it was, it was crazy. Oh, and then so disappointing. The guy who set up the whole thing used to work with Sean. He was an intern for Sean years ago. He got his start working in radio with Sean. And he said, hey, Sean, it's me. This is my comedian friend. And he goes, ah! Oh! Take the call. You have my permit. He was totally oh, really? cool. He said, man, you guys got me. You can have the call. Oh, my God. You guys really got me there. And he he was had a great sense of humor about it. I, don't, yeah. I have How- never let my guard down with that stuff on the phone. <laughs> I've gotten phone calls before. That's because you're the guy that will mm-hmm. mess yes, with people. You're right. But I'm like, I'm halfway through the call, and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't. I'm like, I'm pretty sure now at four minutes in, this is really whoever they say. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I remember having to apologize to people. I'm like, hey, I wasn't sure that that was you, so I was kind of being standoffish. I've done that a lot. How do when you hear a new impression? How do you do you have to listen to it over and over? Because again, I don't know how to do anybody. I, I do I do a nasally Michigan guy with a little bit of Italian thing, but I'm obsessed lately with Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not kidding you. Like anyone, I can, saw it in a, your house. Anyone can do ER. That's just why I bother. Yeah, right, right? right. So you can do that. But I literally have the phrase, "Oh, Christopher Robin." Like I can't, <laughs> and I and I and I do it over and over again to try to like. You are losing so, your mind. So yeah, but so hard. Like somebody like me who doesn't know how. To, I mean, you're a comic and in. And I can kind of act, but like how how would I try to get what what would be the steps of hearing any random voice in my uh, to uh, then go? I want to do what five seconds of, right. of Winnie the Pooh. In my opinion, those voices, I don't know why I'm picking Winnie the Pooh just because I love them. Yeah. In my and, opinion, unusual voices are the easiest to do because uh, a normal voice. Uh, is like you got to figure out what is unique about this and try to find. But a, a weird voice like that, like Winnie the Pooh, anything that's unusual is easier to grab because it's so distinctly out there. Um, like Bobby Slayton, Bobby Slayton, dude, this guy's always yeah, talking. Yeah, he, he's always talking like this. He's always talking like this. And you gotta talk. Let me tell you something. If you're gonna go, you're gonna go. And it's it's so much easier. Joey Diaz. Nobody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody talks like that, so it's easier to get that. And in my opinion, you get one note. Um, and then in that one note, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Ooh, you hit one ooh, note, uh, like uh, Louis, it, Louis Anderson would just be, oh, hey. Like, it's just like, and then you do that over and over again, oh, hey. Like, and then once you do it over and over right. again, then you can start to find it. It's like Mark Wahlberg is just like a constant. <laughs> hey, look. Hey, guys, hey, guys, hey, guys, say hello to my, my mother for me. Hey, he's got to help me out. What you doing, man? You know, I mean, I mean it's a, you hit oh, one note. Oh, and oh, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> oh, Mark Wahlberg. And yeah. I, I have found that with every voice, I usually hit one note, and then when I hit that one note, I'm like, oh my god, that one note right there. What that's all you need. That one, like that's that one, Andy. That's a, yeah. Andy. Once you get that right, yeah. Andy, and there you're good. Then you got to do it over and over again, and then start adding more words to it until you start to go roll through all the different like. Uh, Mechanics of of all the other sounds that person puts together. If that makes sense, I hope I'm articulating. Yeah, that. yeah. But, but one note 
is what you got to hit, and then just hit that one note and just tune that guitar to that, to one, that note. one note. And then try to do other words in that one note, and then start seeing if you can get other... Because I was thinking, like, Winnie, Winnie the Pooh kind of has vocal fry. He's, like, one of the first... Yeah, pers- he carries like, out, yeah. Wouldn't it be easier if he could see the guy's face, too? Because he's thinking of a cartoon where if you do it, you're thinking of the guy's face, and That's you kind of get that, yeah. That's Galvin true. got Tony Soprano down pretty good, yeah. but he can't do it now because it's a curse. Yeah. But he found the one line. It's a curse? Well, because yeah. no, he curses in the one line oh, that he learned yeah, to yeah. say, yeah. but that's the one you really kind of need to get into to do the rest. Because it has the SH. Yeah. I, he always does I that. love useless impressions like uh, Tom Snyder. Like, I, I can actually... <laughs> Those are the best. Those are the ones you can make yeah. prank phone calls. I can teach someone how to do a Tom Snyder impression. It's yes. just okay. you, you come out of a big laugh and go right into a question. You go, oh, you're, you're, you're not, let me ask you something. That's all. <laughs> Yeah. It's like come out of a big laugh, and uh, but like I'm ooh. obsessed with, with with Winnie the Pooh or the guy who does all those. And why was the car parked out front? Dave Morrison. Yeah, oh, yeah, like oh, the scary. Yeah. And why? Why was there blood on the corner? Yeah. 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 And up next, we'll find out. Bill Hader did <laughs> yeah, him on yeah. uh, SNL, dude. I and it, and if someone gets an impression that nobody else does, I'm like, oh, man, like I'm in, I'm embarrassed to do a, a Christopher Walken impression because it's like everybody does. So it. many people do it, and it's like you know. But I heard a great story once about Christopher Walken, and I just started doing the voice. And by the way, it's it's a great radio story you remember Kamal from the Jerky Boys yeah he told me a mind-blowing story once and I've repeated the story so much that I started getting a Christopher Walken impression and and the story is that Kamal has this friend who he told me the story 15 years ago it was already 10 years old so this is a 25 year old story and this story is mind-blowing that his friend is a actor wannabe who's always scheming on how to get into Hollywood stuff and he does a lot of extra work right. on TV shows, but introduces himself to people as a background actor. Hi, I'm Jeff. I'm a background actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, all right, you're, you're an extra, you know. And uh, so Kamal tells me this amazing story that this guy Jeff calls him up and says, uh, hey, listen, I, uh, I just found out about a thing. Uh, every Tuesday, there's a bar on 25th Street. It's like all these actors and, like, uh, talent people show up. It's like a thing. you got to know where to go. But on Tuesday night, that's where you go. So why don't we go and I'll bring my demo reel and we'll schmooze. And Kamal thinks the guy is, like, a joke. And he goes, yeah, all right, we'll go to this bar. So Tuesday night rolls around. They go to this bar. Laying on the ground in front of this bar with a bloody mouth is Christopher Walken. He just got in a bar fight in this bar. (laughs) Kamal's friend actually pulls this move where he goes, oh my God, are you okay, buddy? Hey, my name's Jeff. I'm an actor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you remember a girl named Carol? She's my sister. She said she used to work with you. Do you remember a girl named Carol? And Chris Walken is picking up blood (laughs) off his mouth and he stands up and goes, what's your name? (laughs) said, Jeff. Jeff, I want you to turn around. I want you to get out of my face. Or I'm going to make sure that you disappear. And no one is ever going to see your face again. And he goes, okay. Can I give you my reel? No, okay, 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 okay. All the way to the end. So, repeating oh, Chris is for walking. So, repeating a story over and over again, I start doing the voice of the, of the person. It's like when I opened for Metallica and the drummer Metallica said this awful line to my face, I keep telling the story over and over again, and I got good at the voice. And the line that he said is he introduced me to his band and goes, dude, his whole family's retarded. I go, they're not retarded. <laughs> and he goes, too deaf, retarded, whatever. Dude, his whole family's a bunch of retards. I go, they're not retarded. You're getting my whole story wrong. Go see him at Pegasus. He's with his retarded family. Oh, yeah, God, no, from Metallica. Yeah, yeah you, you get the story wrong. Dude, that sounded, did you hear that? Didn't that what sound like Burt Kreischer? Oh, I could, I could do a little bit of a Burt. Yeah. Well, I used to do a really good Ralphie, too. Yeah. Because people used to always do Ralphie, and they'd be like, hey, I'm Ralphie. I'm like, no. There's a, there's a much better Ralphie in there. Yeah, Burt, Burt uh, if I'm talking about a Burt story and I'm hearing in my head, I could do I could do Burt's voice. His excitement. He's like, yeah. Yeah, that's all you do. Yeah. Yeah. My my, my bird's better. My my bird's. That's a great impression. 
Irish. My bird, no, no, I mean, my bird's a frantic bird. I don't do the high pitched laugh bird. I go, oh, hey, hey, it's bird, call me back. Like, that's the bird that I, that's the real bird. <laughs> really? Hey, it's bird, call me back. You know, that kind of stuff. Wow, yeah, I like yeah. that. That's a good bird, man. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, I man. love hearing random, random, like, impressions. Like, I would, God, I'm so jealous of you. The girl I'm dating has a daughter, and the whole time we went on vacation, she wanted to speak like she was from England. Oh. So, like, random people would come up to her. She's like, hello. <laughs> like that. And I just wanted to. I'm like, yeah, let's just Do keep it. this going. But then I'm like, I I'm so dumb. I can't even. <laughs> all right. I don't, I don't even know. Like, Starts going Australian. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. It's such a mixture of just m mumbly boop. Like, wow. I had a really good Harvey Keitel impression this morning. <laughs> Galvin called me out on. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. Uh, I don't I was I mentioned Harvey Keitel, and when I mentioned it, I try to on the fly do it, and I go, "You gotta go over here." And I go, "I think that was Bernie Sanders." <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sure. Not I can't do any impressions. Doesn't work out. I usually it's it's usually in short snippets uh, in a story that I usually can find it, and then right. I get better at it, and then I can you know. The only one that I found by telling a story that I'm actually somewhat good at isn't really a. Is it Gene Deckerhoff is a guy who does the uh, the Buccaneer play by play here, mm -hmm. and for the radio has for years. But he's, he's just senile at this point. Like, he never gets a play right. And he gets very excited. I mean, we could we could do a three-yard run and he, if, in the first down, and he makes it like they just scored the touch, winning touchdown of the game. And me making fun of him and telling the story, it's kind of we have the same timber in our voice. Yeah. So that's the one thing I could do. But that's not helping me. I don't know. I can't do anything with <laughs> Yeah, especially when you have to explain who the guy yeah, is. Yeah, right. That's not a... Why bother? <laughs> I feel like I do, like, uh... For... No Tigger? No, no, no. no that's a Eeyore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I am saying you don't have a Tigger in there somewhere? Woohoo! <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Tigger's do best. <laughs> for, like, a few seconds, I feel like I can do a Dane Cook, uh, and it's only within the context of this story, and it was the story I was going to tell you about how you need to be worried about bombing. Uh, <laughs> uh, by the way, Mike had one of the most uh, honest uh, early on in our friendship I visited you at the Super Bowl Media Center and you had Dane Cook sit down and you confronted him about a fight that, couple, a couple of different things that he, uh, yeah. yeah and Dane was like yeah that's true and he he like left that was there were three stories yeah, that I, I thought this guy's a real asshole if he did these things and I asked him, and, and he, he came back, and he was like, yeah, 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 but here's why, but yeah. here's why. And explained it. And yeah. he explained it, and I was like, well, all right. Dean uh, Cook told me one of the best bombing stories I've ever heard uh, at a club we all used to work at in New York called the uh, Boston Comedy Club. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And uh, he said that one night he was on stage at one thirty in the morning, and there's six people in the room. One of the six people had all of his groceries on the table <laughs> <laughs> because there'd be a barker out front. Just pulled him in. Just pulled him yeah. in. Hey, come on in. He's like, hey, I got my groceries. I'll oh, bring your groceries. Come on. Two, two drink minimum. No cover. Come on in. And so the bouncer helps him bring in his groceries. And Dane is bombing in front of six people. It's one thirty. Everybody's hammered. Nobody, you know, is paying yeah. attention. And one of the six people who's annihilated stumbles over to the restroom, closes the door, and starts violently vomiting in the bathroom towards distracting the other five people. Right. And after a few minutes, there's a pause, and they all hear, and the guy comes back out, and he starts stumbling back over to his seat, and Dane is standing on stage, total silence, and he goes, are you okay? Are you, are you feeling okay? Are you, are you doing all right? And the guy goes, oh, no, I just, I had some bad comedy. And we're like, oh! oh! <laughs> and the guy with the groceries is throwing his groceries in the air. <laughs> and they just owned him, and he's just standing on stage watching that. And that's my fear is that you're in a comfort zone here, and that one night you're going to have a moment you're going to be like, screw this, man. This no, sucks. I don't. I'll just keep going and muscle through. I'll tell you what I do want to do is I, I think uh, I would be more like I would like to do it out of the market where nobody knows who I am. Because then that'll that'll help me be have more of an honest gauge of what works and what doesn't work. I'm gonna get, I'm mean, sympathy laughs as it is. You know what I mean. I signed up where the new little city I moved. They had open mic night at like this wine place, so people right. could sing. They could do thing, and there are people doing stand up there, and it's in Michigan. It and I signed up as uh, Jeff Norchester, uh -huh. <laughs> and I had a beard. I went on with my hat, and so I just cool. ate it. And I was like, you know, because I just drove across country, and I had all these. You know, driving cross country jokes, and you know, I'm, as a comic, you you go through a phase where I'm like, I'm kind of sick of talking about 
what I talk about. Yeah. Like, so I'm just going <sighs> to get up. And I just went up there and, oh, ate it horrible. Really? Just, you know? Like, just, ate, just went up without even going, I'm not even going to think about it. And if I do one old joke, I'm going to stab myself in the alley. Right. I'm so mad. Stuck with it. And I just went up there and I'm like, men and women think different. Right? <laughs> and then I'm just like. Uh, men women, from Venus. Yeah. Women be shopping. Yeah. Right. Like, There's one guy, I'm I'm sure you probably know this, that Brian Regan loves to go to comedy clubs after his arena shows. Like, he'll he'll do a theater, right. he'll do an arena, and he wants to go to a comedy club. And I remember asking him once, have, have you ever walked into a club and not been recognized? He goes, it happens all the time. And he said that he had just recently done his show in Denver at the arena, the Pepsi arena where right. the Nuggets play. Yeah. He did it. He did an early show and then went to Comedy, comedy Works. Comedy Works, yeah. Don't Walked think. into Comedy Works and said, hi, uh, Brian Regan, I want to come up on stage. And the girl at the counter goes, uh, oh, um, yeah, sign up needs to be done online. Yeah. And it's two weeks in advance. And Brian said he just went, um, can you... Get Wendy. <laughs> you know, Wendy even Wendy's the only Even yeah. better. He goes, can you... Get a hold of anyone, <laughs> just any anybody, just just anyone. And she was like, "Oh, okay." And then That's... she came back up, and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." He's like, "It's okay, it's okay." Uh... But that line, "Can you get a hold of anyone? <laughs> anyone. <laughs> Literally anyone except you." That's oh, funny. all right, now we're done. Listen, we're, we're, we're over time now. Dane Cook, Gene Simmons, oh, Paul Stanley, Morgan. Christopher Walken, Al Pacino will all be joining me at the Pegasus. I'm Tracy Saturday. Morgan. Uh, Tracy Morgan. Who else? Uh, Bobby Slayton. Uh, uh, Bobby Slayton, you got to be careful. Bobby Slayton and Jeffrey Epstein were friends. Uh, get out of here, really? I'll tell you that off the air. All right. Jeffrey, and by the way, I will, be do- I will be doing Yoda. <laughs> I will be doing Yoda, Eeyore, and a, a poo going, oh, uh, doing poo. Give me Yoda one more time. Okay, this is Yoda. <laughs> this is Yoda climbing into an F-150. Okay. <laughs> John, where do you get tickets for your show? Visani Comedy Theater. You can yeah. get it online okay. uh, uh, in advance, and or you can go to... Uh, Pretty far from here. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's far. you're both at the opposite ends of the world. Yeah, yeah I'm in Tampa. I'm performing in Tampa. You're at the Pegasus Lounge, getgas2s.com to get tickets for your show. Getgas2s.com, uh, uh, and you'll find can the Can I plug right my there. new album that people can get on Spotify and Pandora? No. Of course you can. <laughs> Well, if you do it as you are. (laughs) John and I were in a comedy competition 20 years ago. San Francisco? Something like that, Uh, baby. And John destroyed, leveled the place every night. He was the only professional on that whole line. John is one of those those people who I love to have on the show, and we don't really talk a lot about comedy. I mean, we talk (laughs) about other things, but he's still a great comedian. I kind of like the way the conversation had was like just conversations about comedy. And I was so excited when you, because you guys told me that John was going to be here and they said so we wanted you to come in after John and I was like I kind of want to hang out with yeah, John yeah, oh, no, no, so no, I was... when, when I came in and I heard you guys go hey John do you want to stick around and hang out with Craig I, yeah. I was like oh, please yeah, say yeah, yes yeah. please say yes that's like, so yeah. funny that comedians do want to hang out with each other and when I always assume that they don't like each other I, I'm a fan Yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I actually love when I'm Performing at a club in New York or L.A., and I see people who I really love. I'll yeah. show up early or stay late to watch them. And it's funny how often they will say, like, dude, I don't even like my set. Why are you watching me? I'm no, like, yeah, 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 I love yeah. you. I love you. I'm a fan of yours. All right, Craig, uh, get gas with two S's.com. His show is Saturday night at the Pegasus Lounge. Or go to kissonline.com and pay $5,000. <laughs> and John at Vasani, Vasani Comedy Theater. In Port Charlotte. Great to see both of you guys. Take care. Good luck Thank with your you. stand-up. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about, I think we should let him in our compound. Oh, no. Like, he, as a he, jester? He, he, no, he could be the door guy. Like, if somebody buzzes, and then he does the voice. We're creating a, a city and a compound. Oh, nice. But you can city. only come in if you bring a, a skill to the thing. You got to have a skill. I can be 20 can, different people that work there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can throw yeah. them off. Yeah. yeah. yeah they can, you're right, because then they could think that there's more of an there's army. There's more people right, yeah. when it's just compound. us. Okay. And, and hey, you won't want to ransack have, Al Pacino's place. Right, they have yeah. so much money. Al Pacino's staying. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think yeah. he's in. Okay. I think he's in. Vote, vote accepted. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, right. All right. We'll see you guys I'm tomorrow. I'm not getting fingered, am I? Uh, <laughs> you never know. Mark Norman is here with us tomorrow. Also, uh, Jocko Willenick. Oh, you're uh, going to love him. He's yeah, so awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. And what else? Wait, else yeah, we have... Uh, oh, oh, Jan Levan is right. here tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen... Hello? Hello? Have you seen the Polka King? 
documentary? Uh, yes. You, I heard you talking about it. Jan Levan, the Polka King, in studio with us mm-hmm. tomorrow. Very excited for yeah. that. That and Dewdog is going to be. In oh, early. and Dewdog was. Did he a, steal a bunch of people's money? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Kinda. Kinda. I mean, I'm. He didn't want to. He he created a, uh, a uh, Ponzi was, scheme by accident. Okay. He was like, I got all this money coming in. I could do all these. Okay, things. I got to listen. Pay these people back, and then he kind of. Ran out of money, so he got more people involved, and then he couldn't get himself and out. And then of he it. got stabbed in the neck. Yeah, they got stabbed Whoa. in jail. Oh, I'm telling you, there's a movie where Jack Black plays him that's very good, and there's a documentary. Yeah, I saw about that. Real one. life, both of them are excellent. Yeah. Wow! And the real Polka King, Jan Levon, will be in the studio with us tomorrow. Wow! So, so have a great. That's a great show. I know. I don't even have to show up. <laughs> Can we <laughs> stay here and keep talking, even though the mics turn off? Yep. Yeah. We're just gonna. The after show goes on till eleven o'clock. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you want to stay on with the after show. They would love that. All right. <laughs> I'm going to pee and go home. I don't uh, think there's going to be an after show. Yeah, there will not be an after play show. so many commercials. Yeah, there is no there, after show. I'm going to have to have a discussion with somebody today where yes. they yell at me for going so long when oh, I'm playing yeah. commercials. We're about to play you know, the good news is I can have Al Pacino call your boy <laughs> <laughs> and ask him to go easy on you. He's number one. <laughs> See you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a fool. I'm an old, fat, stupid fool. That's why. Can you smell decomposing. Oh. It's the Mike Caltus Show on 102.5 The Bone. What's really going on in your life? Let's shoot Uma in the vagina. Mike, why are you doing this? Cal, um, I have to go. Bushy, bushy, bushy. Bye. Bye. Shoot that thing, fat baby. Go smash your fruit in the hole. I cried a little bit. You you call me a monkey. <laughs> I love you, Spanish. Oh. Check your panties. Come down for moose soup after. I don't even know how do I uh, make something funny. I don't even. Can you can you can you hear that whistle? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.